Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 51. Today on Coach Prep, we're going to talk about little things making a big difference. Before we do that, let's talk about Cleat It Up. Cleat It Up FP is our communication tool. It's an app for your phone. We want you to check out cleatitup.com. It's a great way for you to have all your communication challenges solved in one place um, and uh, definitely going to be a tool that you need to use. Also want you to hear about Nexair. Nexair is a Memphis-based industrial gas, medical gas, research gas, welding supply, and safety PPE supplier. With strategically placed retail locations, sales branches, and distribution centers throughout the southeast, Nexair is never too far away. They maintain centralized product warehouses to serve you better and be more reliable. Through our services, you can receive the products you need when you need them. Our fleet of trucks will get you the gas you need when you need it. If you're interested in any Nexair product or service or just want to talk through your options, please get in touch. Our customer care team at 888-639-2474 will help you find the branch or outside sales rep in your area. Please reach out to Nexair. They'll take care of all your needs. And finally, let's talk about Patreon. We've started a Patreon page. We need patrons. We need supporters. We need people who are in a position to help us to make us a little bit more financially solvent. If you're in a position where you can donate, uh, Coach Don and I continue to look for ways that we can make everything fast pitch and coach prep better. And one of those uh, realities is that uh, some of the stuff that we want to do just costs money. we got expenses to yeah. make it happen, right? And, and we uh, uh, know that a lot of people are listening. Uh, thousands of you are listening and, and taking advantage of coach prep and everything fast pitch. And we know that not everybody's in a position where you can help but there's three different levels. We are looking for people at either five, ten, or twenty dollars a month. So if you're a five dollar patron, basically we're going to ask you to skip one trip to Starbucks right. to help support everything fast pitch and coach prep. So we please check out our Patreon page. It's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash everything fast pitch. So Don, little things make a big difference. We've been talking about this basic topic a lot. The idea of um, what makes teams successful, what makes teams struggle. Um, the different things that successful teams do. And the one thing that I keep coming back to, and I think you and I have talked about quite a bit, that uh, at the end of the day, most games are lost because of little things that we do poorly. It's very rarely some big, gigantic, oh my gosh, kind of thing. It's almost always something really simple, something really fundamental, in a lot of ways really painful to have to experience. No, it's a it's that one pop up communication that we both look at, you know, bouncing on the ground or uncovered base in a bunt situation. That's yeah. a that's the difference between us winning today or or losing. Right. And so we want to talk about the little things, coaches. It's up to us to drill these points home. We've got to make sure that we work on this stuff to the point that our players, it's just automatic to them. It's just the so reaction. fundamental. Yeah. That, that they don't have to really think about it once the play starts happening. Now, I think that one of the key things, and this is something that I think uh, all of us need to do a, a, a better job of, is encouraging our players to do more pre-play planning, to be thinking more in advance about what can happen so that they've already kind of rehearsed it in their mind, kind of visu- visualized it in their mind, so that when that ball gets hit, when that play starts to unfold, very recently, hopefully in the last few seconds, they've kind of pictured in their mind what they're supposed to do. It's either going to be on the ground or it's going to be in the air. Right. Right. Depending upon the position and the situation. 
So let's say I'm the pitcher and there's a runner at third base. So in my mind, while I'm waiting to throw that next pitch, I should be thinking to myself, I should be looking over there and, and in my mind I should be picturing, okay, ground ball gets hit back to me. I'm going to check the runner. Okay, I check the runner. I check her strong. She doesn't go anywhere. She's going back towards third base. I check her for a second. I make my throw to first. Then I have to switch gears pretty quickly and go, okay, now in my mind I'm going to picture she hits me a ground ball, and that runner's going home. So now in my mind I picture myself fielding that ball and throwing it to the catcher and then following that throw behind so that if there's a rundown situation, I'll be in a position to do my job in a rundown. Third option would be, I'm going to picture that runner breaks. She's 30 feet down the line. The ball gets hit to me, but she hasn't committed one way or the other. So now I've got to run at her to get her committed to start the rundown. And then third option is we're ahead by seven runs, and that run doesn't mean anything, and I'm just going to get the out at first base. Sure. How long does it take to, to picture that in your mind? I'm guessing less than 10 seconds. If you've done it. Over and over. Right. So that pitcher now has has rehearsed in her mind basically everything that could happen with that runner at third base. And because she's just thought about it, just rehearsed it, she's ready to handle any of those possibilities. But what most pitchers do, they're already freaked out because there's a runner at third. They haven't thought about anything. That ground ball gets hit back to them, and they just go total robot mode, and they don't even look at the runner and just chuck it over to first. Just getting out. And just getting out, and all of a sudden that girl's shaking hands in the dugout with her friends when she should have been out at home plate. And they're up two instead of one. Right. Yeah. That pre-play planning is something that we want to really be thinking about. If I'm the second baseman and there's a runner at first, I've got bunts to think about, I've got double plays to think about, I've got covering on a steal potentially to think about, and so in my mind, I've got to rehearse all those things. I can't just wait until the ball gets hit and then have that oh shoot moment where I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the ball. No, and again, these are things that uh, you know you can rehearse and talk about and stuff like that, but practice. Talking to players about it is great. The but first then, level. Right, but then what we have to do is when we're in practice, we have to encourage them, we have to challenge them to start to really think through these things before the ball gets hit. It doesn't do us any good if we say, Don, you got to plan the play out in your mind. You've got a pre-play plan, what's going to happen. And then I hit you 25 ground balls, and I hit them all so fast that you don't have a split second to think about anything. So a lot of times we would have a runner. It's good for the runners right. too, right? So yeah, right. practice. So, so let's set up those kinds of situations and give our players the time to think it through. You know, One of the things that uh, you know we always emphasize with our teams is communication. Well, then in the practice setting, it's up to me as a coach to slow down the pace enough to make sure that they have time to communicate from play to play. If I say, okay, it's really important for you to communicate, and we have a runner at first base, and I don't give them time to talk about could she steal, could they bunt, is it a double play ball, how many outs, how many outs, all that stuff, and I just, you know, I'm hitting balls at them rapid fire, they're getting repetitions, but they're not practicing the communication aspect of it that the we want them to practice. Thinking part. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the pre play planning. And the communication and the, the pl- players talking to each other pre-play is the first thing we have to start to really emphasize as coaches. We've got to teach our players how to communicate. We've got to teach our players how to plan for what can happen. It's kind of a shocking thing. I can remember probably maybe being 10, maybe 11 years old, playing first base in a game. And I didn't play first base a lot, so I was you know a little bit nervous about being over there. And I kept thinking to myself from where I was positioned, if this ball gets hit to me like on a one hopper, I'm going to tag this runner before he even gets going and step on first for a double play. 
And it's not the craziest thing ever, but it seemed pretty crazy to me that like the second pitch was like a screaming one hopper that came right to me. I stepped in, you know, fielded the ball, reached behind me, tagged the runner before he could really get going anywhere because he's froze for a split second on the on the line drive and touched first base for the first ever double play I was involved in as a, as a baseball player. And it's like, wow, it worked. And it's like, wow, if I think about it, maybe it could happen. It started to become sort of like a superstitious thing. Like if I thought about it enough, <laughs> it would make it happen. Sure. Of course, it didn't you know, work didn't out hold true forever. very often yeah. that way. But you know, all it takes is that once or twice for a young player to experience that. Wow, I thought about it, and that's exactly what happened. The aha. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. So if I think about it, I'm more likely to be prepared. So we have to start to make sure that we're encouraging that and, and setting up in practice situations where our players get to work on it. So Torian, and you had mentioned like when you were 10 and 11, these are all things that are happening for the first time for many of these kids, these situations. Right. They've never seen them before. And there's a lot of things that can kind of happen. So, you know, for us, it's like a no-brainer. It's like, right. well, of course you should throw it to third and then double them off at first because the runner at second's getting a better jump than the batter at home. And for us to, to know these things, that it should be a, a third to first rather than a third to second, right? you know, but we have to share all this stuff. And sometimes I think we take it for granted that it's obvious with the younger what's the uh, classic uh, most classic of all sayings assuming things makes an ass out of you and me right right yeah <laughs> so um so for us as coaches again because we've got more experience i do think you're right i think it's easy for us to think well of course they know that it's a no-brainer you know, how, right? how could you know the, uh, obviously obvious. this obviously yeah. the second baseman covers first base on a bunt obviously right. well if the second baseman's a little bit freaked out maybe she struck out with the bases loaded in the last at bat you know, she was, she out there playing second base and one eye is kind of looking at her dad stomping around or her mom screaming at her because she, you know, she struck out or, you know, th- nervous aunt, about. Aunt and uncle and cousins are here today. Yeah. And, and, you know, all of a sudden they're just, you know, that 10%, 20% distracted. Yeah. It's real easy for that to kind of snowball. And so for us as coaches to assume anything, I think is a trap. So first job is we need to communicate. Second job is we need to pre-play plan. We've got to work on those two things first. If we can do those two things, most of the other stuff that we're going to talk about that costs us games, the little things, are going to disappear because they happen because of lack of planning or carelessness or panic. And all of those are bad things. So we don't want anybody to be out there panicking when they're trying to play the game. So, But some of the little things that can really screw things up that we, you know, that we see it all the time, backups. Not having somebody in a position to back up a play can cost us. And it's a little thing that we only notice that it's not being done right after the ball gets thrown away. It's too late. And then it's too late. So as coaches, we've got to start to notice, are our players moving to back up plays in anticipation that it could go wrong instead of trying to catch up to it after it goes wrong? Question, Tori. Is there anybody on the field that does not have a place to go after the ball is hit? I would say there's every player has a place to go every time the ball gets pitched. Everybody has, yeah. has somewhere to go other than where they're standing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and for sure, if the ball gets hit, everybody's got a place that they need to be moving to. If there's runners on base, somewhere. every time the ball gets pitched, there's a place that everybody needs to be moving to because we always need to be anticipating. So that's a great question. And I'll just give you the example. On our team, when we have a runner at first base, no matter how many outs, ball gets pitched. It hits the catcher in the glove. As Power. soon as it hits the catcher in the glove, the second baseman and first baseman are hauling it 
over to the first baseline every single pitch. Moving that way. And the reason is simple. If the catcher sees that runner far enough off that she's going to make a pickoff play, we can't wait until she's throwing it she can't and say, then hey guys, start I'm, running to yeah, back it up. Yeah. We need to be there as quick as we possibly can. Runner on second, same situation. Ball hits the catcher in the glove. The third baseman goes to cover the bag. Shortstop goes to back it up. And the left fielder hauls it all the way over to the left field line to be in a position to back up a play. Yeah. Every single pitch. No pitches off. No you know, well, I didn't think she was going to throw or I didn't think she was going to go. Something bad happens. You don't want the runner from first scoring too. Right. And, yeah. and and why take a chance on turning a good aggressive play into a train wreck? And anytime a play is not backed up, something bad can happen. Now, there's only one time in the way we do defense that we have a potential play that would not be backed up. And that's if we've got a situation where we've got runners on first and second and the other team bunts. We've got runners on first and second, and they bunt. Our shortstop's going to third. Second baseman's going to first. So our center fielder's going to come in and cover second base. But here's the absolute, and I'm just going to give this one away. If you're playing against our team, we're not throwing it to the center fielder. Right. Ever. They're run down. Yeah. She's there to potentially get involved in a rundown, and she's there to maybe trick you into thinking that somebody's covering the bag. Which reminds me that they need to be involved in a rundown in practice. Right. right. But so, not but, outfielders taking fly balls, infielders are working on rundowns. We got to have everybody right. understanding their backup role and yeah. so forth. And so, backups are a really, a really big little thing. Another really big little thing is pre-play positioning, making sure that we understand what we're trying to accomplish. If there's a runner at first, and I'm the second baseman, let's say runner first, nobody out. In my mind, I've got to be understanding what's most likely to happen. Well, most likely to happen is a bunt. So I need to make sure that my positioning doesn't have me so far up the middle that it's a really difficult job for me to get to first base to cover. So we have, you to, have be, to be able to take take care of business. And get right. It done. We got to make sure yeah. that our positioning is such that we can get there. But if we're in a situation where we like to turn double plays, then I've got to be thinking. Well, I've got to be close enough to second base that I can also be in a position to turn a double play. Hard and hit so, to shortstop. Right, yeah. and so if that second baseman's in a really tough position because sometimes that means she's got to you know, do the best she can to be in the best position possible to do two jobs because so she might have two different jobs to do, but she's the only person that can do either of them. So nice for our second baseman to have some foot speed, right? Right, and to understand that if I'm... Anticipate well. And, yeah, and if I might yeah. have to be involved in both plays, maybe I can't play quite so deep. So it might be a situation where I might be one foot on the outfield grass expecting to play a really hard hit ball. Now I've got to shallow up a little bit. So instead of having to run 50 feet to get to first base and 50 feet to get to second base, I've got to run 35 feet to get to both. Right. Okay. So those kinds of things. But same thing for our outfielders, our outfielder positioning pre-play is a little thing that can go really wrong in a big hurry. 90% of the balls get hit from between the left fielder and the right fielder. 10% of the balls get hit down the line. Right. So if we're talking about little things, if I've got my left fielder a foot and a half from the left field foul line and my right fielder a foot and a half from the right field foul line, I've just opened up some gigantic gaps that the hitters can take advantage of. Those kinds of things, that, you know, that kind of situational planning. If we're thinking about how deep should the outfielders be playing, 
Again, little things that can make a big difference. If it's the opposite you know, not, field a little less than right. the and, pole and, side. And if our pitcher's throwing total gas that day and blowing the ball by everybody, then that tells me something about where I should be positioning myself versus... Maybe um, everybody's shaded that way. Right. When, right. Or we've got our junk ball pitcher who's just trying to sneak in a... You know, basically trying to get the ball hit somewhere, and hopefully we're lucky enough to have somebody standing where in the right place. So your point is, we all need to be aware that we're not in the exact same spot for each pitcher, right? Yep. And also depth wise. Yep. So if we're facing the third or fourth hitter in the lineup, chances are they're in those spots because they're fairly powerful hitters. I yep. mean, every once in a while there's an exception, but most of the time that's their job is to drive in runs. Should my left fielder be playing thirty feet off the grass or thirty feet from the fence? Right. So those kinds of things. So there's a lot of little things like that. But so here's why I wanted to talk about it. If we're communicating, if we're planning, if we're thinking before the play, our team starts to see these things. So instead of us reminding them, okay, second baseman, you need to be able to cover both of these plays. In her mind, she's already rehearsing it. Well, if it gets bunted, I've got to be able to get to first base. If it gets hit hard to the shortstop or third baseman, I've got to be able to get to second base. That means I need to position myself here to be able to do both jobs. And if she's thinking about that before it happens, we don't have to worry about it going wrong once it starts to happen. Sure. For if I'm the left fielder and I'm looking at the thinking, whoa, you know, this is a tiny little girl um, that uh, doesn't look like she's got a ton of power and our pitcher's throwing absolute steam today, do I need to expect this girl to pull it and drive it over my head? Or do I expect her to be, you know, a little bit more likely to hit it to the opposite field and maybe not have quite so much steam on it when she hits it? So take a conscious minute to to be thinking yeah. those things through. Yeah. And and the most important thing is it's going to change every pitch, yep. or, 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 every for sure bat. every at bat. Yep. And, and it can change every pitch because a hitter's outlook when it's two balls, no strikes, tells me something about where I should be as an outfielder versus when it's no balls and two strikes. Yeah. Is she a lefty or is she a righty right. hitting lefty? Yeah. And yeah. so as we're talking through it, I mean, coaches, you can hear there's all kinds of things. If you are really, really good at speaking very, very quickly, maybe you can explain all these things to your players on every pitch. <laughs> but my guess is if we want our kids to be good at this stuff, we've got to get them thinking it through in tune and communicating it for themselves. And now we can always come back and make the corrections. We can always come back and, and make some suggestions. But if we want to stop messing up the little things, we've got to put the players in a position where they're already thinking it through so that those little things do not become big things. Their softball IQ, right? Yeah, absolutely. So coaches, there's something for you to think about. Next practice you go to, give them time to plan, give them time to communicate, and then give them all kinds of situations where they have to see it in play so they get a chance to see how the, you know, these things will unfold and what will start to happen is, like we were talking earlier, they'll, one of your players is going to have that aha moment where she goes, wow, I thought about that, and it happened. I love it. Wow. So if I think about more things, maybe more of those things will happen. To what do you think about this? Even between games, you can have your whole crew, they know what position they typically play, and you can present the situation. And then you point to somebody, it's like, where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? Right. Where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? What's your role? What's yep. your job? I think that's a great idea. And that's especially a good rainy day yep. practice where instead of you know maybe getting to hit the balls to kids, we're visually, you know, mentally practicing those same situations and putting them in those kinds of situations to, to get better at it. And yep, as they're getting called on, they're thinking about their role, what their backup role might be. Or, right. Yeah, I love it. When, and one of the points that... Uh, I don't know if we've talked about this or not, but I think it's valid to bring up right now. 
that one of the reasons why kids screw up so much in games is we don't give them enough chances to screw up in practice. Yeah, that's where I want to make the yeah. mistakes. And, and so I have this talk with every kid when they come to me and start doing lessons. I say, okay, so let's talk about something. We do baseball and softball backwards. And they'll look at me like, well, what do you mean? I said, we go to a lesson and we think if we have a bad lesson, if we make a lot of mistakes in lessons, that we had a bad day. So if you're going to hit 100 balls in your lesson and you don't hit 100 screaming line drives, you get in the car being frustrated thinking, oh, that was a terrible lesson. I suck today. So what ends up happening is we work on the stuff that we're already good at because we want to look good in our lessons or we want to look good in practice. And then we save up all our mistakes and we make them in the games. <laughs> I want practice to be tough so right. games are easy. Yeah, And right? so we'll, we'll talk about it in lessons. Say, okay, so now look around. How many people are watching this lesson right now? And they kind of look around. They're like, well, it's you, me, and my dad. Or you, me, and my mom, and my sister. Okay, so how many people are going to be at the game on Saturday when you're playing? Everybody's mom and sister. Oh, there's going to be at least 100 people there because all of our parents and all of their parents and said, so what would be better for you to look really stupid in here in front of three people or look really stupid out there in front of 100? I know which one I'm picking. Like, wow, hey, that kind of makes sense. So coaches, it's up to us then now to make sure that we translate that same message. Let's make all our mistakes and practices so we make a whole lot less in games and we'll all be a whole lot happier. Perfect. Good deal. So that's going to wrap up episode number 51 of Coach Prep. Please make sure you check out our website, fastpitchprep.com. Tons of good information there. Check out Cleat It Up, Next Air, and please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. We need your help. Please support us if you can. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tory in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio saying thanks for listening to episode number 51. We'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>